right, it's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, if you got a copy of God's Word, I want you to go with me to the New Testament, to the little letter, the epistle of Jude. Very small, just one chapter, 25, 25 verses, and it's between 3rd John and the book of the Revelation, Jude. And we're going to be in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 this morning, Jude 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, I want to say this, if you've not went and watched the hot plate that the teens are doing, be sure to do that and share that also uh, with what's going to air today at, at noon. Uh, I really think it's been some good discussion and conversation uh, with Brother Jacob and myself, so be sure to check that out. And uh, stay in tune with everything happening and everything going on. A lot of things taking place. And um, sometimes it's so much it keeps your head spinning. Uh, but try to, try to jump on and support and share uh, so we can get the gospel out. Amen. Jesus, He's a coming. Amen. And uh, we need to get the gospel out until He comes. In Jude chapter number 1 and verse 1, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. As we read the Word of God, aren't you glad that we have a Bible? Amen. I'm so glad that you don't have to take my word for it. My word changes every other day depending on my circumstance. I'm so glad we don't have to take your word for it. Some of you, my goodness, if we had to follow you, wow, we'd be a windy road. Amen. I'm just teasing. Relax a little bit. Don't get... Been out of shape. I'm just saying I'm glad we don't have to follow President Biden's uh, word. Amen. I'm so glad we don't have to follow uh, Governor Justice's word. Amen. I'm so glad we don't have to follow uh, what man says. Why? Because, man, we change our mind with new information every day. But I'm so glad I've got a Bible that can be the director of our spiritual life. Jude chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says... Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for the worship that we've had through music. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather together. We thank you for our children. Bless Miss Kristen and Deacon and J.D. as they minister to this young generation. God, open their eyes and heart to the truth. 
And God, now we ask you to bless us as we gather around your word, Lord, once again. And we ask that you would empty us of ourselves and cleanse us of our sin. And God, fill us with your spirit. God, we thank you that we are on the winning side. We rejoice today that we know that we know that our names are written in heaven. God, thank you that we have hope beyond this temporary world. We love you. We give you all the praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. We have here in the small epistle of Jude... He is the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. He doesn't claim that here. He says he's a servant of Jesus and a brother of James, who we know was a brother of Jesus. And Jude here is led by the Spirit of God to write this epistle that's included in the Bible. And there's some amazing, powerful truths here in the book of Jude that I believe apply to the end times. Jude in particular is wanting to write about a common salvation. And I want you to know salvation is the same for every man, woman, boy, and girl. Red, yellow, black, and white, salvation is the same. There is not a gospel for the black man or a gospel for a white man or a gospel for a red man or a gospel for a yellow man. There's not a gospel for the rich or a gospel different for the poor. There is a common gospel that's common to all men. And Jude wanted to write about this common gospel. But he said in writing to you about this common and gospel, I have found that in these latter days it's needful that I remind you that you must contend for this gospel. You must fight to keep the gospel right. You must fight to keep the gospel simple. You must fight to keep the gospel common to all Men, the greatest danger I see is making heaven for the elect few or heaven for the upper class or help poor uh, people only. We must realize the gospel is for all men, all women, all boys, and all girls. I want to give you a few things here in these first five verses. Make a comment about them. I pray that we can glean something here that can help us in our life. Let me just say this to start off. If you don't have a spiritual view of the world and you don't have a biblical worldview, the, the Bible is of no value in your life. If you are carnal, if you are living to uh, store up treasure on earth, if you're living for this world and you're not thinking about the world to come, the Bible is a boring, burdensome book. But if you're living with your affection in heaven, if you're living and laying up treasure in heaven, if you're living for a another world and for that world that we're going to, the Bible will bless you, the Bible will strengthen you, the Bible will encourage you in this life. Remember this, that the Bible is a spiritual book and it must be spiritually discerned. The carnal mind cannot receive and understand the things of the Bible. And so we need to be sure that we have a spiritual spiritual mind. Let me give you a few things. I want you to see, first of all, Jude makes mention of our privilege as the preserved in Christ Jesus. Look what the Bible says in verse number 1, the latter part of that, and preserved in Jesus Christ 
and called. Jude wants the reader to realize that they are preserved in Jesus Christ. They're not preserved uh, in Baptists. They're not preserved in the Methodists. They're not preserved in the Pentecostal. They're not preserved in water baptism. They're not preserved in catechism. They're not preserved in confession. They're not preserved in church attendance. They're not preserved in anything other than Jesus Christ. I remember as a young boy, we had all kinds of gardens around our home. We had a, about a seven, maybe eight acre garden that all the family used. My uncle, he'd plow, he'd plant, we'd have corn, we'd have uh, yellow corn, sweet corn, we'd have tomatoes and okra and we had butter beans and green beans and sweet potatoes and white potatoes and okra, my goodness we had all kinds of vegetables and then on the other side we had apple trees and peach trees galore and we, I, I love peaches, amen, my goodness, we'd have cherry trees, grape vines we had strawberry patches blueberry bushes I mean I live, can't you tell in the Garden of Eden, it was a blessing where I lived and I remember every year the family would go out together and we'd pull all the corn, it's not picking corn it's pulling corn, we'd pull corn, we'd pick up potatoes we'd cut okra, man we'd, we'd live it up as kids working in the garden and then after we gathered all this together, the family family would meet together at my uncle's house and we'd boil the corn and cut it off the cob and put it in Ziploc bags and we'd divide it between the family. We'd get the tomatoes. We'd stew the tomatoes. We'd get them tomatoes out. We'd put them in mason jars and we'd put them lids on them and we'd put them in pressure cookers and they'd pop and they'd seal, you put a little salt in them, you divide it among the family. Well, we'd gather them peaches together and we'd pickle peaches, hallelujah, for pickled peaches. I know y'all don't know much about pickled peaches, but pickled peaches, they are wonderful. And we'd gather them peaches together and we'd work as a family and put them peaches down in jars and add all the vinegar and we'd put them in pressure. And I'm telling you guys, my mama's pantry... It wasn't full of uh, Oscar Mayer. It wasn't full of Hormel. It wasn't full uh, uh, of Clover Valley. It wasn't full of Kroger's Finest. I'm telling you, it was mason jar after mason jar after mason jar with lids on it. And you'd have to take off the ring and get your pocket knife and pop the seal to get into the goods. I'm telling you, pear relish. I'm telling you, we lived life down there in the stick of Georgia. And I'm telling you preserving food was what our family was very good at. Now one thing I love about preserving food is it lasts. Amen. And I want to tell you, you are preserved in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you're not going to rot. I'm telling you, you're not going to sour. I'm telling you that you're kept by the power of God, preserved in Jesus Christ. Now if you'll follow me, I'm telling you through this preserving process, uh, we would go through and we would pick all the produce. We'd gather it all in. We'd, we'd drive a little truck down between the roads and we'd all dump our buckets uh, in back of the trailer and we'd move on down the row and man, we, we'd work hard and listen, we'd harvest 
All that produce. See, I, that's the first part of can You got to harvest. May I just say this? The fields are white unto harvest. And Jesus saved you. Jesus picked you. Jesus harvested you. He brought you into the to the barn. He brought you into the family. Now, I want you to know this. You've been harvested if you're saved. You're, you're not on the vine anymore. You're not in the world anymore. You've been brought into the Father's house. Thank God that He's harvested you and I. And may I just say this, once you've been harvested, you never have to be harvested again. I'm telling you, when we'd harvest them peaches and pears and apples and blueberries and strawberries and okra and potatoes, we never had to go out and harvest that one again. I'm so glad that when God harvested my soul at 21 years old, He preserved me in Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm just afraid that maybe I'm back out there in the field. No, listen, I never saw a peach walk out of my mama's pantry preserved in that jar and jump back on the vine to be picked again. I'm so glad somebody says, well, I've been saved seven times. No, bless your heart, you've been saved one time. You've not been saved seven. You've not been harvested seven times. That goes against nature. You're preserved in Jesus Christ. But look, part of that, we, my, my family would, would harvest, but then we can it. You know what I'm saying? We'd put it down inside that jar, and we'd, we, we'd take that and make sure that it was secure in that jar. Look, God took you and I out of the world and put us in His Son. Listen, you're in Jesus Christ. Wherever Jesus goes, you're going to go. Amen? Somebody said, well, look, I know I'm saved. I'm just afraid I'm going to go to hell. Listen very carefully. You're going to go where Jesus goes. You're going to go wherever he is. And so, look, you're, you're, you're in him. Look, I want you to see, thirdly, we'd always seal those jars. We'd put them in pressure, and that pressure would get right. You know the sound it pops, right, when it seals them lids on there? And listen, I'm telling you, God sealed you and I by the sweet Holy Ghost. The day we got saved, we've been sealed forever in Jesus Christ. I'm glad today that no matter what the world says, no matter what the devil says, no matter what the church says, no matter what the, the White House says, I'm glad that saved people are preserved for heaven. Hey, rejoice in that. You're preserved. I want you to see, secondly, not only is this uh, honor of being preserved in Jesus Christ, I want you to see this. We also have a responsibility as preserved people. I want you to see here, we must be protectors. Now notice what the Bible says here in verse number 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. See, we see here that Jude wanted to remind the church of this common salvation. But may I just say this, it's not just enough to talk about salvation. We must talk about the enemies of salvation. You know, I wish that we could always just be positive. I, I wish we could always just preach the gospel and not deal with the negative. I, I wish we could just talk about how good heaven is and not deal with the, with the wickedness around us. But listen very carefully. Jude said, I wanted to write unto you about the precious gospel, but I realize in order for me to write to you about the gospel, I got to deal with some negativity that's happening against the gospel. Listen, the gospel is under attack, Jude said. 
Jude said, look, there's a common salvation, but there is an all-out war against the gospel. Now, I wish I could tell you that this war was coming from the world. I wish I could tell you that this world, this war was coming from other places. But we're going to see here the war against the gospel comes from within. Comes from within. You know, there's a deal happening right now I just read about down in Cabell County. Two teachers there decided to take their class to revival meeting in the school. And uh, now all hell is broke loose. There's a lawsuit against them teachers, against some other things there, uh, because they made students go to a revival meeting, apparently. And uh, the preacher said that if you would raise your hand and give your life to Jesus Christ, you could go to heaven. And this is what the paper said. The preacher told them, but if you don't give your life to Jesus, you'll be tormented forever. Well, that tore up a lot of church folk. Oh, y'all think the world attacks the church? Nah, it comes from so-called church people that create problems for the church. It's amazing to me how the church is under attack from within here in Jews' day. I want you to see this. He says, look, I want you to be sure that you keep the gospel right. And we've seen that. Man, there is so much shadows over the gospel. Brother Jacob and I just talked about this in one of those podcasts. There's so many mixed messages about Jesus. There's so many mixed messages about salvation. There are so many mixed signals about what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. What is it to add to the gospel? What is it to take away from the gospel? What is the plain gospel of Jesus Christ? Someone in the church just gave me a book this past week that I'm making my way through. The title is The Naked Gospel. And it is an attempt to deal with the gospel plus or minus nothing else. And so I've not yet finished the book, so I can't give you an opinion on the book. But so far it's really, really well written. Uh, But look, we're to be protectors of this common salvation. Uh, We see here that Jude believed, listen, Jude believed that the foundational tenets of the Christian faith were under attack. That's what he believed. He he understood that the foundational beliefs of the Christian faith were under attack and he said nothing but a vigorous counter contention would be sufficient. Listen very carefully. We must be as tenacious as the false preacher. We must be as loud as the false We must be as visible as the false. We must be at rattle the gates of hell like the false does. We must be clear. So often we think that one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt be nice. (laughs) You know, when you contend, you ain't very nice. I watch those uh, MMA fighters. You ever watch them MMA fighters? Fighters, you know, I look at them and I think, look at them two devils. I mean, my goodness, they got fires of hell burning deep in their eyes and they beat the tar out of each other on purpose. And I think, there ain't no way Jesus can be anywhere in that. But then you listen to their, them give a story. Yes, I just want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm safe. And I'm thinking, my goodness, Christians out there not being nice. 
I'm not criticizing MMA. I enjoy it. You, you can be a Christian in box and be a Christian and play baseball. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but here's what I'm saying. We need to contend for the gospel. You know, it's amazing how the enemy is so loud, how the enemy isn't afraid, how the enemy reveals where they stand very clear. And then we that have the truth, we're so quiet, we're afraid that we're going to lose influence. So we're afraid we're going to make them angry. Listen very carefully. We must contend for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We must contend for that. Look, I want you to see just a few things that we do need to contend for and protect. Number one, that the Bible is absolute truth. You agree with that? The Bible is absolute truth. You know, there is a great attack within the church that the Bible is not absolute truth. You know, it's good ideas, good suggestions written by men. But listen, we believe that the Bible is absolute truth. Do you believe that? That the Bible is absolute truth. And listen, you and I should contend for that. We shouldn't tolerate and listen to anyone that claims to be of the household of faith that would say that the Bible is optional or the Bible is a list of suggestions. Listen, it is thus saith the Lord. And, uh, and any other belief about that, we got to be clear and say, no, that's not accurate. We can't cave to that. And we see that happening all in Christendom. I want you to see, number two, we must protect that the church is essential. Oh my goodness. We must protect the church is essential. You know, used to, I remember whenever people would talk about, uh, well, you know, I'm, I, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. You know, I, I remember hearing that argument at times. And hey, I remember, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, people would just say, well, bless God, if you're going to obey the Bible, you need to be in church. That's what they, how they would respond. You know, you know what church people say today? Somebody says, well, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. Well, you know, you're right. Yeah, and we minimize the Bible command to attend church together. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven, of course. But what we often do as the church is we try to placate those that would undermine the church being essential. Look, the church is essential. It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. It's God's provision. It's God's protection. It's God's bride. It's what God has called us to do. We are to be gathering together. The church is essential. We're living in a definitely a post Christian culture, and so many have the nominal name Christian, right? It's amazing. Uh, you can talk to ungodly people. They say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm a Christian. And we're living in that time where so many, and this is what's amazing to me, so many leading Christians minimize the Scripture and minimize church attendance on all their influential platforms. But the folks that have platforms that disagree don't use their platforms to disagree. That's interesting, isn't it? When he says contend for the faith, he means 
put on some boxing gloves, get out in the public arena and fight for what the Bible teaches. Stand on it. Be clear on it. Listen, the Bible is absolute truth. Like it or lump it, right? Take it or leave it, right? Listen, the church is essential to the people of God. It is essential in our lives. Hey, look, also I want you to see this. Jesus is God. Oh, wow, that is a, that's something we should contend for, right? He's not the brother of Satan. He's not a lesser God. He, 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 listen, He is, capital G-O-D, God. Jesus is God. We need to contend for that very clear. We believe that Jesus is God. Somebody says, well, the Bible never, He never claimed that He was God. Yes, He did. He said, I am before Abraham. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus received that title. We see here that Jesus is God. Hey, look, we need to be sure that we're very, very contending that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. And we need to contend for that. We're to be protectors, brothers and sisters. What are we passing on to our children? What are we passing on to our grandchildren? You know, we're, I'm afraid that we're passing on, maybe not us in particular, but as a whole, our, this generation of believers is passing on to the next generation that God's not very important, that the Bible is not very important, that church is not very important, aren't we? It's such a battle in our lives. And so we need to be protectors of that. I want you to see thirdly, Jude says, look, you're preserved, thank God. He says, look, your protectors, you've got to take some action and be sure that you're contending for this. Um, that's one of the reasons I think that I can say that we're doing the podcast, we're doing the hot plate, is to share what we believe as Christians on these biblical subjects. I want you to see, thirdly, Jew deals not just with the preserved and the protectors, but watch this. He says, I can't talk to you about this without dealing with the perverters. He says, now look, there's those that would pervert the gospel. Uh, look what he says in verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Now this is interesting to me. Who were before ordained, uh, of old ordained to this condemnation. In other words, God knew they were coming, right? God knew that uh, the church was, uh, it says they crept in. It's not like the world, right? He says there's people in your ranks that are perverting the gospel. And he says, look, they were before uh, or ordained under this condemnation. Look what he says, they're ungodly men. They turn the grace of our God uh, into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see a few things just about these perverters that he, Jude is speaking of. He says, look, I want you to know they creep in unnoticed. They creep into the congregation unnoticed. They creep into the assembly unnoticed. Now, uh, you know, if you was out keeping watch over your flock of sheep and a bear or a lion or a wolf came in, you would notice it immediately, right? Because you see it for what it is. But see... Uh, the Bible says there will be end time deception and there will be people that creep in unnoticed. Now, how would they creep in unnoticed? Very easy. It's just a costume, right? Jesus told us about this costume in Matthew 
chapter 7 and verse 15. Notice Jesus, how he speaks about those that will come in with a costume. He says, beware of false prophets. We can apply this to what Jude's saying. These that are teachers, these that are influencers, these that are leading. He says, which come to you, watch this, in sheep's clothing. He says the reason they creep in unawares is they know how to dress like a sheep. They know how to walk like a sheep. They know how to talk like a sheep. They know how to look and blend in as a sheep. Listen, here's what Jesus is saying. Make no mistake about it. Not everyone in the church is the church. Not everyone is on the Lord's side. Amen? And he says, look, they come in, but inwardly on the inside where we cannot see immediately, they are ravening wolves. They have come in and they will destroy the gospel. They will destroy and contort and pervert the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Listen, here's a sad reality. Here's a sad reality. If we were to bring every member of our church into a private room with a tape recorder and hit record and say, share with us how someone can get saved. If we were to do that for every member, we should have the the exact same answer. But we wouldn't. We wouldn't. If you go out and ask the church attenders all around this nation tell me how to get saved you would be bum fuzzled at the answers that we would get and look these are people that sit sometimes in gospel preaching ministries See, there's such a confusion. The enemy is working in there. The world uh, the world really doesn't care, but it's those inside the church that want to reform the church. They want to reshape the church. They want to redefine Christianity. And they creep in unawares. And when they come in, they bring in these damnable heresies that pervert the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And look, if there's anything we need to keep clear, it's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We've got to keep that clear. We see here they creep in unnoticed. That's what he says here in verse 4. But I want you to see this. Not only do they creep in unnoticed but their character is ungodly. He says this. They're ungodly men. Their character is ungodly. Listen very carefully. If you see someone with ungodly behavior, guess what? They're ungodly. If someone speaks with ungodly language, guess what? They're ungodly. If someone behaves in a way that's ungodly, guess what? They're ungodly. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter the clothing they try to show you. But look at my wool. Wow, Grandma, what big teeth you got. Wow, Grandma, what big eyes you got. You're not Grandma, you're a wolf. They're ungodly. Uh, let, let me tell you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 20. I mean Matthew chapter 7 verse 20. Here's what Jesus says about those that creep, creep in unawares. Matthew chapter 7 verse 20. He says, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. The fruit may take time to reveal, right? Any of us can be misled early on, right? 
but it's over time. As you examine the life, as you examine the fruit, as you examine the character, if it tends to lean towards ungodliness, guess what? It's ungodly. Listen, we're living in a day where a lot of people in churches are absolutely okay with living ungodly lives. I mean, let's just be real about it, guys. There are people that are okay living ungodly. They're fine with it. And they're fine saying, well, I'm going to heaven. And they're fine with it. Jesus said, look, you'll know them by their fruit. Not so much by what they say, right? But by their fruit. We see here their character is ungodly. They creep in unnoticed. Their character is ungodly. Let me end with this. I want you to see this just to help identify. It says they turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. You know what that means? It means their Christianity, their faith is unbiblical. You know, there's a such thing as unbiblical Christianity. They're not saved, but they claim to be saved, right? Now, what makes this unbiblical? It says they turn the grace of God into something God never meant for it to be turned into. You know, the grace of God is not a license, right? To sin. But here's what Jude says. I've noticed that people use grace as a license to sin. This is unbiblical to use grace as a license to sin. Um, Romans 6 and verse 15, you know this very, very familiar verse that Paul echoes. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. The apostle Paul said, no, the grace of God is not a license to sin. It is liberty from Sin. It's freedom from sin. And we see here that the gospel is being perverted by these that have crept in. And Jude's saying this, look, you're preserved in Jesus Christ. Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that if you don't contend for this gospel, if you don't fight to keep it clean and fight to keep it pure and keep the flies out of it and keep uh, the wickedness out of the gospel, what's going to happen is... We're going to raise a whole generation of people that think they're going to heaven but live like hell. Does that not sound familiar? And listen, Jesus, you know what Jesus said about that? In Matthew chapter number 7, we can see, and we'll finish with this here. Here's what Jesus said about it. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So we see here Jude's trying to encourage the church, but in his encouragement he has to say, by the way, 
Be sure that you're fighting against this. Church, I want to say this. Thank God we're preserved. Thank God we're in Jesus Christ. Thank God we're going to heaven. But listen, I don't want to be the last one in my family that goes to heaven. I don't want to be the last one in the community that goes to heaven. I want to be sure that I'm able to pass on a pure and unadulterated gospel message of Jesus Christ. And brother and sister, Jesus said it very clear. Repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother and sister, the gospel message of Jesus We must be sure that we don't let anyone tweak that for us. So you and I need to fight and be vocal and be clear in where we stand and say no to our neighbors. That is not the gospel. No to our friends. That is not the gospel. No to our church members. No, that is not the gospel. And so we've got to know the gospel in order to defend the gospel. Amen? And so, brother and sister, let us rejoice that we've been preserved. But let us remember that we're called to protect this very thing that saved our soul.